The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. are going to talk about stress. We're going to talk about environmental stress. Mental stress. And we're also going to touch on food and how it can cause a whole mess of stress on its own. I'm Lisa. And I'm Chantel. And this is Guts. And Glory. So uh, let's kick off with environmental stress. We live in a, a climate where there are multiple seasons. So yes. we have uh, four full seasons here in Ontario, spring, summer, winter, and fall. Absolutely. Which is your favorite, Chantal? Um, I like the fall. You do? Even though this is the time that I usually flare. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but the first thing to recognize as well, you know, something is to be said that Canada has the highest rates of IBD in the world. Yeah, what's up with that? Right? There's about 250,000 Canadians living with this condition. And globally, there's about 5 million people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. And we definitely see the highest rates the further away from the equator you get. Interesting. Absolutely. So, you know, I always start off by saying, you know, folks, we live in Canada. Don't be a hero. Do not go outside wearing your flip-flops in the winter. And yet we do because we're Canadian. Right? Put your toque on. Listen to your mother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is, I would say, a point of pride for Canadians that, you know, we can wear shorts in we barbecue in a snowstorm yeah we we do we this is this is something that is like a little badge of honor in canada but absolutely my biggest advice in dealing with environmental stress is you know you need to be aware of the fact that our seasons change and even within seasons we have extreme temperature differences for example change of season very often lends itself to flu season you hear you know the commercials about getting your flu shot and all of these things i always say if healthy people are prone to getting sick at this time there's a good chance that you with ibd and very often a compromised immune system are definitely going to be prone to getting sick or having a flare so first thing you need to dress appropriately not for the season because our season sometimes you know, who knows what it is. Yeah. One day we had, you know, just a few days ago it was minus two mm-hmm. and today is 18. Yeah. In uh, Tuesday uh, of next week, we're going up to 20. Right. So and for you, you know, Americans. And this is November. That's, uh, that's pretty warm. Yeah. And that's November. So you need to dress for the specific day. You know, if that means you're outside wearing a scarf while everybody else is trying to be that Canadian hero, then you're doing that. You know, be smart about your health and dress appropriately. Yeah. Now, t- talk to me a little bit about why you say it's fall and so I'm starting to flare. Mm-hmm. What is that? Where, uh, is that something, like, Is are you getting flu-like symptoms are you where does it come from you know it's a combination of both a lot of times my flares have come I flare very often around the fall winter change Uh um, and sometimes that sometimes that flare doesn't happen until December but it's you know it's definitely relational to what the environment has been like at that time and I notice that I flare a lot in the spring Um, Now, of course, these also do coincide with report card times and other stresses that Mm -hmm. we'll get into later. Um, But it is a time when, you know, runny noses and coughing and sore throats is common around. So sometimes my flares do start with the 
healthy, I call them healthy people, healthy people's sicknesses. Um, and if I don't manage that quickly, it can very often lead to a Crohn's or colitis flare. Yes. Yeah, because you take the symptoms far harder than someone who Absolutely. is a healthy person dealing yeah, with Yeah, somebody has a, you know, a light cough or a sore throat. To me, that ends up being pneumonia and strep for me. Now, it's interesting though, when we you say that people get uh, Crohn's and IBD, the further away you get from the equator, is there some environmental connection uh, that we know of or that people that is being investigated right now. Yeah, actually, you know, there's a lot of institutions, a lot of universities. I know McMaster is one of them for sure. Um, you know, scientists globally in France and Israel and Canada and the United States and the UK. And that's what we're specific, like what they're specifically looking at. They've kind of narrowed it down to, you know, what, what are the reasons why people get Crohn's and colitis? Why are first generation Canadians getting this disease and there's no history of it anywhere else? And that definitely, Definitely, they, they've they've kind of done a, an extended Venn diagram. That's it's a combination of you know the foods that we eat, which is considered in our environmental stresses, um, the foods, the climates. Um, it's your microbiotic that that what's inside of your gut essentially. You know the the bacteria living inside of your gut, um, and um, the medications and things we've been exposed to in the past. So a combination of all those things, you know, all scientists have always explained it in when I've ever been at talks, it's when all of these things come together in the perfect person, the perfect host, they call us, you know, mm -hmm. we're hosting the disease, um, it becomes essentially a beautiful disaster. Uh, okay, well, at least there's beauty. Yes. In disaster. <laughs> okay. Um, so in short, dress for the weather. Absolutely. And you know, making sure you're getting your vitamins. When you go to see your doctor, ask to get a full blood test. Uh -huh. Ask them to check your B12 levels, your iron levels, your vitamin C levels, all of those things that keep a normal person healthy. And if any of them are low, That's great to know. then ask what do you take, should you be taking a multivitamin? Should you be getting, you know, injections of these? B12, you know, globally and vitamin D, we get the lowest rates here in Canada just because of the amount of times we do and do not have the sun. Um, yeah. very often healthy people need to take vitamin supplements, but definitely consult your doctor first before you do these things and ask for full comprehensive blood tests. It's so interesting because I always found when I was a kid that when we went to Florida for Christmas, you feel better. I would feel instantly better. Yeah. And I know so many people, so many Canadians who, who suffer, who do head South in the winter. And they do that not only to escape the winter, but also to improve their health. Yeah. So you have there to really think is some, there really is some stock in sun as a, as a healthcare treatment. Yeah. Our beautiful country here, Canada, and anybody who lives in a country that's similar, you know, we have a, at least minimum a hundred degrees temperature difference in one year. Yeah. You know, if we can drop down to minus 50 and be up upwards with humidity close to 50 yeah. degrees Celsius. So that 100 degrees temperature difference, that is very extreme for a healthy human body sure. to undertake normally. And it probably, I mean, this is super unscientific, but it probably lends itself to the idea that there are things environmentally that are cooking up really hot on the ground and emitting some kind of fumage. Yeah, it and could be. things that There's are getting frozen and staying in ice for a while and then getting cooked up again. So there's, we're definitely very vulnerable here Yeah, yeah. because of our environment.
So let's move now to talking about uh, mental stresses and the relationship between your gut and your brain. Yes. Um, now, I... You I, always see those commercials though, right? Of yeah. women who are going through a bad breakup and, yeah. and in the movies, they're sitting on a couch, sobbing, watching, you know... P.S. I love you, and there's the empty box of pizza. You know the, um, you know the the ice cream container is melting on the floor. Yeah. Chocolate on the face. You know it's we're very connected. Some of us we will eat to our heart's content when we are stressed, and others will starve. You know the thought of eating when we're stressed, you know, is enough to make yeah. you vomit. There is. In my opinion, without a doubt, a 100% connection between the brain and the gut. Well, I think of it like, um, you know, there. I've been in many situations where uh, I, I'm a I'm a freelance writer mm -hmm. and I'm a producer and I I act as well. Um, and I think as a result of not having uh, that, the life that I've chosen is a job is a life where my jobs are. Um, I'll do something for a contract length of time and then There's that contract will end and I'll start another contract on something. So it's very contractual. That's almost like sprinting though. It's it like is. high energy yeah. for small part portions of time and then yes. a complete release of all of that. Yeah. And then, but this is the world that we, a, a lot oh, of us live no in now. There's no nine to you know, five. It, especially in the last 20 years where jobs have kind of, they're not as reliable. The people don't go into, um, they don't quite as often go into a, a company and stay there. In fact, in Ontario, our, um, uh, in, in Canada, our uh, finance minister just told, projected for Canadians that we better get used to the new normal, which is multiple careers, multiple jobs, uh, changing throughout your life. That's how it's gonna be now. And that's this not is, just in my, I feel like I have an advantage because that's always how it's been for me. But now, Yeah, you know, and it's not nine to five either. Gonna, you can't just leave the office or leave your workplace at five o'clock and go home. You know, the internet, for example, has done wonderful things for us, but have also done terrible things yes, to us. We can never, right. we can't shut anything We're off. We're always connected. Yeah, always. So there is a real connection I find between taking a stressful job contract and my Crohn's disease. Mm -hmm. I find that if I get myself, I have to set myself up for success. And this is what I would prescribe to people is setting yourself up for success. If sometimes you think, oh, I can't do it. This is just the way things are, but that is not exactly true. If you, uh, if you can be aware of patterns in your workplace or in, um, mm -hmm. in relationships, you can set yourself up for success by not repeating negative patterns. Right. You know, allowing, for instance, in my work days, sometimes I work really, really long work days, but I was saying, I need to see, a, I need a visual picture of what my day is going a to look A journal, like. essentially, like yes. a timeline. Yeah, mm -hmm. I need to know when I'm going to get a break. And I call it like the sandbar in the ocean of my day, you know? <laughs> it, I'm going to work my face off until two o'clock, but then at two o'clock, I am going to shut everything off. I'm going to take an hour to do some meditation or some yoga or just some breathing exercises, something that cleanses my gut, something yes. that gets my, changes my posture. Um, whether if I've been sitting down writing all day at a computer, I need something that's up. I need to take the dog for a walk. I need to be outside and get vitamin C and vitamin D. Absolutely. You know, I need to, to just go stretch so that I can allow my brain to, you know, get out of that 
um, that mess. It's a whirlwind, the chaos. Yeah. You know, I am definitely a proud representative of somebody who goes around telling people that I have self-diagnosed OCD. Okay. (laughs) No doctor has ever told me I have OCD, but I am a self-diagnosed OCD person and I am proud of it. I wear it proud. Um, and the part of the reason is for me to deal with my stress and you know, folks, this does not happen easily. It does not come overnight. This has taken me years and I am still not an expert in managing my stress. Um, but definitely for me, being organized, um, not procrastinating, that is the worst thing you could do for yourself, but being organized and having a set plan, being able to time manage everything you're doing really helps with my stress. You know, for example, stress is for me, uh, in my job could be writing report cards. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a very stressful time. I need to find a way to manage my stress leading up until that time. If that means writing things out, setting mini goals for myself so I can physically check it off as I go, then that's great. It makes me a healthier person. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We were talking about uh, organization versus procrastination. Mm -hmm. And hands down, organization, uh, you say you're a self-diagnosed OCD. I'm, I'm clinically diagnosed. Oh, okay. So this is something that I find with people who have uh, chronic illness, who have chronic illness, because you have to take so much control over your life. Managing medications, managing food, managing life. Yeah. You know, and if it's creeping over into your relationships, that's something else we can talk about, but where it pertains to your own health, I don't think it's a bad Thing at all. No. I love to give myself windows where I can procrastinate. Maybe in those sandbars uh, of time that I was talking about, I'll have another, uh, you know, something that I want to accomplish, which is like making a craft with my daughter or, you know, and maybe we don't get to that. That's my little opportunity for freedom. Like I'll right. procrastinate in that and we'll see if it goes off, we'll see if it gets done. It'll go off the rails maybe, but we have time hanging out together. And so that's my freedom to procrastinate in that window. But then I need to get back into my organization. I need to know what my day is going to look like so that I don't let my day take over my life. Because it's terrible when you start getting into a place where you have so much to do that you have to cut into your sleep time. You have to cut cut into into your your personal time. time. You cut into your personal time. So you have no break. We often hear, you know, making sure, especially in this day and age, that we have a really healthy and balanced work-life relationship. And that's the key. It is. And I know, you know, I I understand what it's like starting off in certain industries or, you know, being a university student or Mm -hmm. anything like that. I can understand when life becomes very overwhelming. But, um, you know, the hardest lesson I learned is when I was diagnosed when I was in university and I did not manage myself properly. I was also had a serious flare up yeah. in university. And I, I slept at the libraries and I was working four part, four part-time jobs to pay for the fact that I was going to university. And what ended up happening to me, I flared, I got sick and I had to, everything had to be put aside for over a month. Mm-hmm. You know, my whole life, my whole education, everything needed to be stopped. And if I took the time to manage myself properly throughout that experience, yeah. I wouldn't have lost that month of time. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, I'm really glad that you mentioned things like yoga and breathing and things like that. And you, you called it your sandbar in your ocean, yeah. you know, things that help me, you're going to be stressed guys. Oh, We'd yeah. be lying if we said, 
yeah, manage your stress. You'll never be stressed again. Like that would be complete nonsense. Absolutely. There are going to be times when you're stressed and then find ways that work to release that stress. And as who cares how ridiculous they are? You know, for me, um, water does a wonderful thing yeah. for me. Hearing also helped he me. Yeah, hearing the sound of water. Hearing, you know, turning on a YouTube three hour playlist of waterfalls or rain or, you know, an ocean, waves is so calming for me. Mm -hmm. Being in water, swimming, floating. I do more floating than swimming, to be honest. Why exert all that energy if not needed? <laughs> um, you know, sitting in a bath, yep. any of those things. I love being outside, going for a nice walk. Um, you know, nothing that it's exerting. I'm not mountain climbing, you know, but I'm walking. Uh, the scent of lavender for me really helps. I put a small drop under my pillow. Yep. It helps me sleep. It helps calm me. Um, and music. I am a very um, strong advocate for the power of music, mm -hmm. whatever the music may yep. be. Sometimes I listen to music that lyrics are in a completely different language. I have no idea what is going on, but it's calming, it's uplifting, it's positive, and it takes me away from, even for small moments of time, yeah. from everything that's stressing me out. And this is one of those... This is one of those areas where I feel like, I, I've said this many times before that if I could go back, I wouldn't trade this diagnosis. Me I neither. I would not ever. Absolutely not. I would never take this away from my life because it has taught me so much. And one of the things that has, um, it has taught me is, is how to champion my own health. Yes. You know, how to be, and not, not just my physical health, my mental health. You know, I did learn a lot about uh, how stress impacts you on so many different levels mm -hmm. by dealing with Crohn's mm -hmm. and having to focus on, you know, making my health a priority for myself. And I would say to, if you're listening right now, the thing you need to know is you absolutely can control this disease. 100%. You absolutely can control what you're dealing with. You have to be your biggest champion. And that means giving yourself, uh, giving yourself carte blanche to clear as much of your mental stress as Yeah. And you know, if you're going to have you a flare, can. if you're going to have a flare and you can't control that, that's happening. It's, it's happening. You can control how you deal yes. with that flare yeah. internally. Yeah. You can control the thoughts you have surrounding that flare internally. You can do that. So essentially with mental stress, I think the biggest things, you know, the biggest message to take home from this is to make sure that you manage your stress in whichever way is easiest for you and works for you as outlandish as it may be, whether it's getting a massage, you know, listening to the sound of water, you know, smelling lavender, whatever the, it could be doing yoga, mm -hmm. um, to make sure that you really live a balanced lifestyle and make that a priority. Uh, you know, as much as taking your medication on time is a priority, you need to make having a balanced life a priority. And I think you need to also listen to your gut. 100%. Uh, your gut will sometimes tell you you don't like a situation that you don't know you don't like, but you're flaring up and you're like, why is this happening? Right. And you realize that you've got yourself into another pickle or something yeah. that uh, is just a bad situation for you. Take that opportunity to really listen to what yeah. your stomach is truly, trying to tell you. Truly just get organized yep. and be open to, you know, embracing the fact that your life style 100% needs to change after your diagnosis. Which brings us to food. 
And uh, I read a great uh, book once called Food and the Gut Reaction. I can't remember who the author was, but it had a lot to do with uh, IBD. Mm -hmm. And I, from that book, I learned about the white diet. Now, that's probably something that a lot of people who have uh, IBD have experienced at some point. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you got your things that don't cause flare-ups, like your bread and your eggs and generally soft foods. Or may not cause flare-ups. Or may you. not cause flare-ups. That's, I think, the key point about food mm -hmm. is, you know, I think, personally speaking to my fellow IBD warriors, um... It is extremely frustrating when somebody tells me what I can and cannot eat oh, or what, gosh, yeah. what I should or should not eat mm -hmm. or, oh, you know, you shouldn't eat that. That's going to cause you to flare or you should try the gluten-free diet because that will cure your IBD. You know, granted, some of these things may work for some of you, Yes, um, but that doesn't mean it works for everybody. Just, you know, as a personal example, I um, have had this disease now for nine years and my diet has changed excessively. Mm -hmm. um, for about three years, I could not have milk. I could have milk in small amounts, like in my tea, but I was not going to sit down and drink a glass of milk. I can now have milk with every meal if I wanted to. Um, I used to not be able to eat broccoli and I would eat pineapples, for example, by the loads of mm -hmm. them, truckloads, I'd be eating pineapples. And within the last year or two, they've actually flipped. I can now tolerate broccoli, but I cannot have pineapple. It's so strange. Yeah. It's so strange. I, I remember when at my worst, uh, there were so many vegetables that I, I just couldn't eat. And not only couldn't eat, the thought of eating them Made would you give nauseous. me... Yeah, would make me sick because I could imagine it going through my digestive tract and the kind of trouble that would give me. I never even confirmed that that was the truth. Just had a gut feeling about it. And so I would avoid them. And now I feel like I am pretty clear on everything. Like yeah. there's, I don't, there are foods I avoid just because, you know, I'm 47 year old woman and I should avoid you know, those things. There's things mm. that you just don't eat anymore. But mm. uh, if I wanted to in treat myself, treat yourself, I totally could. Yeah, like definitely one of the things that have stood out for me that I cannot eat and I've never been able to tolerate uh, are poppy seeds. Mm -hmm. I have a really, really hard time with poppy seeds. Always had the same problem. Yeah, myself. they're very small. Um, they don't break down as easily. They get stuck in the folds of your intestines. If you're having a flare and your intestines are swollen, this could lead to rubbing and abrasions and you know this can yeah. cause holes and things like that. Um, I've always struggled with that. Alcohol, I've always struggled with. Extremely spicy foods you always struggle with mm -hmm. but these are almost like common sense things yeah. because a healthy gut corn yeah, yeah a healthy gut sometimes has trouble with this yeah you know but you know i mentioned that my foods triggers have changed so significantly over you know nine years and how did i figure that out my holy grail the food journal yeah you that must is so keep, important yes you mm -hmm. must keep a food journal guys you know it is a pain in the ass Literally. literally yes it is literally a pain in the ass 
However, you keep this food journal and you really start to narrow down. You even have to write down the sauces that you're using. Mm -hmm. When you ate it, add to that food journal, you know, the frequency of your bathroom movements. Add that, you know, and don't expect that because you ate something at five o'clock, at seven o'clock, you're going to be sick. Sometimes it takes our bodies up to eight hours to process and digest the food that you're eating. Mm -hmm. You know, and people seem to forget that. Um, you need to keep a food journal because then you start to zone in on little things. You know, a friend of mine's father has ulcerative colitis. He has a J pouch inside. He's had it now since like the seventies. Um, he can't have his trigger. One of his triggers currently is garlic powder, not fresh garlic from the clothes, but garlic powder. There is no way he, him or any doctor or anybody else would have been able to figure that out if he wasn't keeping a record of the food he was eating and his bathroom visits. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's so important to keep that food journal. Because sometimes the foods that trigger you are not actually the foods, but the preservatives and the additives that they use in foods. Right. And the, that garlic powder is an, is an absolute, you know, what it indicates to me is that there's something being mixed into the right. garlic powder that he's having an adverse reaction to. So you would think, oh, I can't have garlic. Oh my God, what an amazing food to have to deny yourself. But yeah. there you go, you find out. It was the you powder. You just have to take it in another form. You know, and there's going to be a lot of, there's a lot of literature out there, published books, things on websites, even, maybe even medical advisors who are going to tell you that this particular food is going to make you sick or this particular food mm -hmm. is going to cure you. Folks, there are 5 million people living with this disease. If something as simple as taking a food out or adding a food into your diet was the cure to IBD, I'm pretty sure we'd know it we'd by do now. It, we'd have done it. Yeah. You know? it, it is a very personal, uh, individual Absolutely. approach you have to take to yeah. your food. And what yeah. works for you uh, you know, you meet somebody else with IBD, what works for that person may not work for you. Which gets us back to, I think, the reason that we decided to talk about this, which was um, that you can encounter different people with the disease or different people who have some experience with someone who yeah. has had the disease and they will give you advice on your diet. And the truth is you really have to either, you know, like keep that food journal and stay really, really on top of your diet or work with a dietitian if that's your approach yeah. to it. Some one voice that can help you navigate the world of food, whether it's your own or somebody that you've hired to do that specifically for you. You know, we talked about balance in terms of balancing your mental stress and yeah. things like that. Balancing in your food and the nutrients you're taking in is also important. You know, deciding that you're not going to eat a whole food group or deciding that you're going to cut a particular type of food out of your diet and then not have the knowledge and understanding of how to supplement that's that. That's right is going to make you sick anyways. Yeah. So, you know, we have to be careful because we do live in this world of, you know, gluten-free and gluten intolerant and, you know, making sure things are, you know, doesn't have this and doesn't have this and taking a no starch diet and making sure you're going on mm -hmm. the paleo diet and all of these different types of diets and people just jump wholeheartedly into these, you know, granted, you know, this may work for you. But you need to get professional advice before you make these decisions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like I said, keep a food journal because it doesn't matter that it works for somebody. It doesn't, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. That's right. Absolutely. Um, I also, just before we leave uh, the topic of food, uh, how, do you, how do you navigate 
family gatherings where someone else is prepping the menu and you are showing up to great like, question. How do you personally deal with yeah, that? Yeah, great question. That's another thing. Being opening with open with your relationships will really help with this problem. First of all, people who know that I have Crohn's and colitis they're very quick to call and say, hey, Chantal, you're coming over for dinner tonight. What can you can and cannot have? It's amazing. And then I tell them this, this, and this. You know, don't put this. Onions aren't working for me right now. Don't cook something with onions right. in it. You know, make sure that if we're having burgers, there's no poppy seeds on the buns. Um, but it's because they're aware of my condition. Mm -hmm. If not, it's always one of those things, again, you need to communicate it. If somebody is inviting you over to their home, they're probably going to try to cook their best meal. You know, they want to showcase their right. meal. They're having you into their home. Maybe their best meal is something that doesn't work for you. So communicate that with them. Um, you're not being picky. Nobody wants to make you sick. Uh, can you imagine how terrible somebody would feel if they fed you food? You ate it knowing it was going to make you sick. And yeah. then you get sick and they realize that was the reason why. Like, you know, think outside of the box. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And also remember to always, you know, bring something with you. Have that's a little That's what I was going to say too. Yeah, you know, find that thing that works for you. Bring something that you know you. that's going to work for you. Yeah. I, um, I get hangry. I get very, very angry when I'm hungry, hangry. Um, and I also get very nauseous because of my Crohn's. You know, my sugar levels drop sometimes and other conditions that I have. And it's very, very important for me to make sure that I have a snack with me all the time. Yeah. Um, because if we get to the point where I lost track of time and I'm behind on, you know, eating my lunch, yeah. I need to be able to eat something quickly that will help me feel better. I... I find that I'm somebody who doesn't, like I've said, I, I'm somebody who doesn't suffer much anymore, but I find my Crohn's disease is the perfect uh, device for getting away with not eating something I just don't want to eat. You just pretend? You know, I just flat no, out. No, that bothers me. That flares up my Crohn's. I can't have your liverwurst sandwich. Yeah. It looks delicious, but I'm The other thing with food and diet too is to you need to be accepting of the fact that when you flare, yeah. um, you know, you just because you're out of the hospital or you're starting to wean off medications or whatever the case may be, that you just can't go back to eating foods the way that you did. Yeah, you, you gotta really slowly need go to, back. Yeah, you need to slowly introduce different foods and ingredients into your diet. You're nor normally for me, typical for me is when I'm flaring or I know I'm about to flare and coming out of a flare, I go on a liquid diet. You know, I. Lots of soups, lots of nutrient shakes, you know, lots of smoothies, no seeds, mm -hmm. things like that for me. And then leading up from that, I go to the softer foods. So, mm -hmm. you know, toast, mashed potatoes, you know, I've even eaten baby food sometimes. I did that too. Yeah. You know, things that are softer, jellos. Ate a lot of jello. Yeah. And sure. Ensure, ensure, yep, still boost. got some in the cupboard for yeah, our absolutely. So definitely having a softer diet mm -hmm. coming out of a flare. You got to think your intestines have just been extremely swollen. They've been yeah. taking a lot of impact. The last thing you want to do is send heavy, thick foods through it. Yeah, right. Um, so you got to build your diet up from there. And like I said, just because something worked before your flare doesn't mean it's going to work after. So slowly introduce it. Keep a record of it in your food journal. Yeah. So that you can catch, for example, that pineapple I ate excessively was now what was causing me to be sick. You know, put some flair in your flair. Put some flair really? in the flair. You just uh, you get super creative and... Try and, new things. Yeah, why not? You know, like chicken. I can't, I, I cannot survive without chicken. I'm pretty sure I've decimated the chicken population. 
just just she the can breast. see you and just, that's why they cross i just the road. eat the breast though so yeah whatever what so there's a you bunch know. of lopsided chickens right but then i know someone with crohn's disease and that's the last thing you know and that's a perfect example that's a perfect example to give to that person who looks at you and says oh you should try this because this is going to make you better yeah I, I I prefer just lunging over the table and choking them. Right? That's that's, that's my approach. Tomato, tomato. Right. You know, to each his own. We'll just strangle. Yeah. That is uh, a great place for us to wrap today. Um, so don't forget, while you're strangling your loved ones, <laughs> tell them that you're grateful for their support. Keep that gratitude in your heart. And, uh, and try to reduce your stress. Yes, because you know, if you wanna be a healthier you with IBD, the best way to move forward is to manage your environmental stresses yep. in an appropriate way, manage your mental stresses, and definitely keep your food journal so you can really figure out what your food triggers are. Yep, it's all about balance, everybody. So know your stresses. That's our episode, everyone. Peace out, strength, and positive thoughts. See you next time.